leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Hey, security peeps. We are live with another edition of Breaking Into Cybersecurity. I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, demystifying cybersecurity careers for the month of October, which is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And I am back again with Matt Lashner. Say hi to everybody, Matt. Hi, everyone. <laughs> so Matt, Matt's laughing. Matt and I were here yesterday, and I told Matt I was so embarrassed. I Prior to jumping on, I had been on all these calls, Zoom calls earlier in the day and took some meds and ended up being so drowsy um, on, the, on the live with him. And when I watched it, I was cringing. So I said, Matt, I cannot... <laughs> Let this go out here. Let's do it again. Let's, um, I really want to hear your story again and, you know, stream it again. So Matt was gracious enough to do that with me today. So thank you so, so much, Matt. So he's got, I've gotten three hours worth of Matt over the past one and a half weeks. Um, <laughs> so I feel, I feel pretty important. <laughs> so Matt, I wanted to um, start off again today with the, your story and how amazing you are. So you went from EMT, so emergency medical technician, the people who are in your ambulances helping right now during COVID, you know, like literally the folks who are your EMT and then eventually in transitioned into security. Um, how did you, what made you even think about security as a career? Talk to us about that. Get Let us know like how you got to this point in your career. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So uh, it's kind of a, a long story, but basically I always wanted to be a special agent from uh, when I was a very young kid. So I wanted to be a special agent in the Federal Bureau of Investigations. Um, and to that end, I became an EMT. I was a police cadet. Um, I wanted to be a firefighter as well, just like my brother. Um, but I wasn't really old enough uh, to do a lot of those things because you, you kind of need to be 18, 21 to be a first responder in a lot of different um, roles. So I looked and I decided I wanted to be an emergency medical technician because um, I wanted that first responding experience. I wanted the medical knowledge. I was really interested in it. And I also wanted to help people. So when I was 17, I took night classes, became an EMT. Um, I did that for about two years. Um, had a lot of fun, had a lot of stress uh, for a brief period of time. I was doing, um, I would sometimes do like, I'd go straight from high school to work back to high school again because I did overnight shifts. Um, and wow. that was, uh, that wasn't fun. Um, but I really wanted to be a special agent. So I knew that I needed a college degree, but I didn't really care about what I got. 
So I just thought the easiest thing to do would be criminal justice. So that's what I applied for, got accepted. Um, I only applied to five different colleges, uh, accepted Drexel and um, went into their criminal justice major. Uh, But before I got there, um, the entire time building up to it, everybody kept telling me, like, you don't want to do criminal justice. I talked to police officers, retired special agents, people from NCIS, like everywhere. Everyone was like, do not do criminal justice. That's for lawyers. They're going to they're they're going to pass over you if you do that. Um, Who's going to pass over you? The FBI. Oh, okay, okay. What types of majors do they like for people to have? curious about that uh that i mean it, it's kind of ever-changing they have a okay. they have their website describes like what majors they're interested in um but computer security computing that type of stuff is always there but it really depends on what their needs are so sometimes they do engineering sometimes they need lawyers sometimes they need um accountants etc it really depends on what their need is at the time mm-hmm. so um i was just told do something in computers, do something with technology. That's always going to be in demand. Do that. And I thought, well, I don't really have any experience with any of that. Um, I have a lot more experience with like engineering, but not, or like medicine, but I don't have any real experience with computers. So I did the only thing that I could think of. And I switched my major to computer science, which I didn't want to do. Um, I had no experience with programming. I didn't think that it was going to be like a good fit for me. Um, But I was still kind of excited to do like computer stuff. And I was just really nervous about it. Um, But I went to an open house at Drexel before I actually went into the program. And um, they started talking about all the different majors in the College of Computing and Informatics, which is obviously Drexel's college for computer stuff. Um, (laughs) So... They talked about a lot of different majors. They have a data science major. They have information um, sciences. Uh, they have um, computer science, and they also have computing and security technology. And um, excuse me, it's information systems, not information science. That's the PhD that they have. Um, but the computing and security technology major really piqued my interest because it wasn't programming. It was networking and hardware security. Um And that got me really excited because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do the security without the programming because I wasn't really interested. (laughs) So you wanted the hardware, you wanted to get into router switches, all that kind of stuff. Exactly. And uh, the interesting thing is that, of course, with any computer major, you, you have to learn some programming. So that's one of the first things we did. And I got into, um, First, obviously, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, but then we went into PHP, Python, and a few other languages, and I started to get a feel for programming, and now I actually really enjoy it, Um, and I kind of wish that I had done or probably will do in the future um, more with that, but I kind of started just to fall in love with everything security, and the amazing thing about Drexel is that it's a five-year program, and the middle three years, you do six months full-time work and then six months uh, full-time school. So my second year, I went and did six months of full-time work at Vanguard in internal audit on the security and privacy team. And that was amazing. I got to work with people who had been penetration testers, network engineers, 
network security guys, endpoint security guys, um, just the whole gambit. And I learned so much there. And that's kind of really where I fell in love with security. That's where I didn't, I, most of my classes had been just computing stuff. And I knew I liked the technology. But when I actually started doing um, the technical stuff and started learning about the security principles and everything, that's when I really fell in love with it. Um, so when you were in Vanguard, this is fascinating. You did six months. So your first year, it's 100% school. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? And then your second year, it's six-month school and six-month co-op. So on-the-job on training, like a long-term internship in a way. For people exactly. who don't fully understand what a co-op is, co-op is um, cooperative. So you're doing nine to five. So you're, you're a full-time student employee, so to speak, intern. Yes. Right? Yep. Six months. And so when you were in Vanguard, did you rotate? Did you rotate during different throughout different departments within security? Did you sit with different groups of people? Like when you just said, you just described being, um, seeing these various, or touching with these, on these various different um, uh, professionals. Was it all together? Was it in different groups within security? Tell me. Yeah, so that's a really good question. Um, one of the amazing things about Vanguard's internal audit uh, on the technical side is that they, instead of training financial auditors to do the technical audits, they bring in technical practitioners and teach them to be auditors. So the security and privacy team for Vanguard's internal audit was just chock full of different security professionals. So um, we, we just had people from all walks of that, where we had people who were pen, penetration testers at their previous job. We had people who were uh, network engineers and um, sysadmins. Uh, so I got to learn from each and every one of them. But then the other amazing part about audit is that you're auditing different security um, programs. Right. So you can, you can very easily in a six month period go from auditing identity and access management. You have to become an expert in that to then going to a vulnerability management program and now not only do you have to become an expert in vulnerability management, but maybe you also have to uh, learn about data and analytics um, and start using some of those tools to create some dashboards to have an understanding of the data that's coming in. Uh, so that's, that's kind of how I got to touch on all those different things and, and uh, learn from the skill sets of all the various experienced members of the team. I'm actually very curious as to how Vanguard got all of those people who had, usually you can't get a pen tester to go into audit. You can't get these people, a sysadmin to go into audit. That's so, so fascinating. I don't know if you know the answer, but I'm like, wow, I need to talk to somebody over there. Like, how did they get those folks to come over and be inside of audit? Yeah. Uh it's it's definitely an interesting question. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a question for you. It's it's a, a question in my mind because you know you would have had to been there, you know, longer term probably to understand. But I wonder if they were even on a rotation, like where those pen testers going back, or you said it was a security and privacy um, team together. So right. interesting. Very interesting. Well, one of, the, one of the things about Vanguard is it has, and they call it a rotational culture. So um, not that you, you're 
rotating as part of your job. Mm -hmm. um, but Vanguard really encourages people to rotate into a different job so that they're not getting tired of what they're doing. And so that they still like have that love for the company uh, and it encourages people to stay there long-term. So I'll, I know that some people that go into audit are getting a foothold in the company uh, so that they can then rotate out and do something else. But then also um, I know a lot of people that were like consultants before and they just needed to get out of the grind. Vanguard has an amazing work-life balance um, and uh great benefits. So um, it's kind of like a logical next step in their career path. Oh, that's pretty cool. So you're there for six months, then you go back to school. So now you're, so you, uh, you did year one is all school. Year two is six months during um, six months of school, six months of on the job training. This is where you really fall in love. You meet all these various people in security. You're getting your hands dirty too. You're actually able to apply some of the theory and some of the things that you learned in school. You're applying it in, um, in Vanguard. Yep. And um, once my six months were over, uh, I didn't want to let that go because as anybody at Drexel will tell you, um, we go there because of the co-op and the co-op is and the work experience is where you actually learn um, the most. So I didn't want to let that go. I decided that I was going to work part-time um, for the next six months while I was uh, doing my full-time school. And then I decided that I was actually going to work again full-time there for my next co-op. Um, and I wound up working there for another year and a half. So I worked there for two years, got all the governance knowledge that I could handle, um, felt really happy with that because it's not really something that I actually want, uh, wanted to do for my regular job. Um, but I felt really happy that I could have, that I got to go out, learn kind of the blue side of the house, learn the defensive techniques, learn the policy procedures and all of the, uh, the defensive toolings, all the controls, et cetera, um, that I could there. And then I felt a lot more secure going to the red side, knowing that I understood the defensive. Um, and one of the amazing things that I got to do was when I started my second six month full-time position at Vanguard, uh, I felt secure enough in my position and that I had this amazing community of practitioners around me. Um, and again, the, the work-life balance that was there, uh, I decided that I was going to go after my OSCP and uh, spent two months, six to eight hours a night doing that and came out with a successful exam uh, and got my OSCP there, which I never could have done if I was in school or probably in many other jobs. Um, so that was amazing. And that is what led me into my current job at Security Risk Advisors as a security consultant slash penetration tester. That's awesome. And so I want people to be aware that an OSCP is not an entry level cert. <laughs> an OSCP is very, very difficult to get. And um, it is commendable for someone like Matt to go out there, not yet finish school, um, and have about a year or so in the industry and go after an OSCP. 
Matt, explain to people what an OSCP, what it stands for, what it is, um, and how long it takes. This is a 24-hour long exam. So talk to the folks about that. Remember, we're demystifying, so we want to keep it. <laughs> we want to make sure that if somebody sees this, that they know what, um, you know, what all of this means. So OSCP stands for Offensive Security Certified Professional. Um, Offensive Security is a company that does a lot of training. They have a lot of certifications that are kind of widely renowned for being very difficult. Um, and OSCP is their entry-level certification. So although although it is very, very difficult, technically it is considered um, an entry-level certification. And I think that uh, the people who have passed it can probably speak to that because once you once you finish it, you kind of realize, oh, yeah, this stuff was all kind of basic. It's just a really, 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 really difficult course. Um, so I think it's interesting. Uh, there's a there's a really heavy discussion on whether or not it's um, entry level or not. But what I will say is it's incredibly difficult. And many people don't get it on their first try. Personally, I think it's even more impressive uh, if you don't get it on your first try and you get it on your second or third try because who in their right mind is going to sit through a 24-hour exam and then write a, a report in the next 24 hours multiple times because it's awful and it's incredibly taxing. And I don't know if I could have done that. So uh, that always amazes me. Um, and I've seen a lot of people, I've helped a lot of people work through it and mm. it is incredibly emotionally and mentally taxing. And so I always say that the certification is not necessarily indicative of the technical skill, although it is, but it's even more indicative of the personality and of the, the perseverance that went into actually obtaining that. Because I know red teamers and penetration testers who have not gotten their OSCP, who have failed the attempts. And I know, I know people who are very in very high up positions, not entry level people that didn't get it on their first try, didn't get it on their second try. So um, for anybody who wants to, or is, or is currently working through it, like don't be upset if you don't get it on your first try. Yeah, it's something that you can't really be discouraged about. But that's very, um, you know what, the point that you made about it being a big discussion to determine if it is entry level or not, is a bit interesting. And it made me wonder if I think about the CPA, for example. And when I was in school many moons ago, um, we had in my business school, we had um, a, a CPA, it was an accounting CPA major or CPA accounting, I think that's what they called it. And so you could study for the CPA, get the CPA, but to actually have the CPA at that time, I believe you needed two years of work experience. So it's almost like the CISSP, you need five years, you can go and you can test for it, but you need the five years experience to kind of be, for it to be validated. And so um, it made me think about, and it was a, it was definitely a huge accomplishment to pass that CPA exam. It's, it's no joke. Um, anybody that's that's had it, that has it, understands um, how serious of an exam it is. Uh, however, you did have to, you know, you fresh out of college and you have this CPA, 
doesn't mean, you know, it, it, it kind of leads me to think about what you just said about the OSCP. Like, you know, it's commendable. It is it is it truly entry level, like how how it should fit in and how we should view it. It made me think about the CPA in that same kind of way. So, yeah, that, that's a really interesting point. Um, I, I, I think about uh, when I first became an emergency medical technician, when I first got that certification, um, I had gone through six months of night classes. I had done a lot of studying. There are two separate exams. Um, there's one that's an actual practical exam, and then there's a multiple choice test. So supposedly that's not just testing um, your mental knowledge, but also your physical capabilities, um, supposedly. But at the end of that, you still are the same person. And, and that's, and it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to explain that, but the way that I explain it is I volunteered at an ambulance company before I was an emergency medical technician, while I was going through classes, because I wanted to, I wanted to learn from everybody else um, while I was doing that. You want and to experience it. Exactly. Right. And I wanted, and I needed, I needed that to be able to actually understand fundamentally what we were learning in the classroom. And the interesting thing is I remember distinctly thinking, you know, the entire time before I became an EMT, you know, I'm just, I'm just a student right now. I don't have my, my certification. I can't do any of this. Um, it'll get better once I finish my class and then I finish my class and I'm still volunteering and I'm like, well, you know, I haven't tested yet. It's not, you know, and then I tested and I remember going as an emergency medical technician, I can now do all of this stuff. Uh, I have my shiny certificate certification. I have my card. I have everything. And I remember going back into the ambulance and going like, okay, I still know the same amount that I did. I just passed a test. You're still like, the same person. Yeah. You know, I'm still at that point, I was still a 17 year old who's going out on these like horrible accident calls or, or whatever. Um, and I still have these paramedics and EMTs who have been here for 30 years that know what they're talking about. And I'm not one of them. And it's interesting because even if, however, however technical the cert is, it's not real world experience. So the OSCP demonstrates real world experience by being a practical environment. It's a lab. You have to break into five machines uh, for the exam. So it demonstrates that you can do that, but it's very different when you go into an environment that you don't know anything about for an actual real world scenario. And Fundamentally, that doesn't make sense because you're doing the exact same thing for the OSCP. But when you when you go and take that test and you haven't done any pen tests like I hadn't, and then you go and do a pen test. Yeah, there are a lot of things where I can pick up on it a lot more easily than some of my my colleagues that haven't done anything before. But a lot of it is learning from the experience of other people who have been in those environments and understand what to look for. Um, so. Yeah the real world experience is, is really, really important. I 100% agree with you. And I think that 
there's a couple of things that came to mind as you were chatting, as you were talking and explaining that. I think about uh, long-term pra practitioners who sometimes it is difficult for them to get certain certifications because you've been so accustomed, you're actually doing it and the theory doesn't match up. So I remember going to take an exam in HR one, like, that's not what we do, you know, like, <laughs> I think you know the real what's really happening, and then the answer is something different. Um, mm -hmm. So that becomes, you know, a bit of a challenge. Um, so I could see how, you know, a lot of longer term practitioners are not in the mode of when you know too much, you're 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 almost fighting the test. Like this isn't the right yeah. answer. This is the theoretical answer. Um, so I could see how that, you know, could definitely happen for sure. And then um, in regards to the, you talked about the OSC, you talked about the taking the exam. Um, then I want to talk to, I want to go next into what you said about experience and on-the-job training. Um, every single leader, CISO, hiring manager that has come on this show has talked about on-the-job training, experience trumping everything else. Um, and I think what you what you've experienced already as a college student who's still in school and also learning at the same time is what a lot of people do not get to experience. And I think it's just invaluable um, that you're able to really juxtapose the two. So you're in the middle of it. You're going to school for six months. You're going to work for six months. You're going to school for six months. You're going to work for six months versus someone that's just going to school the whole time, may get an internship in the summer. And, and internships are just as fat, just as great. So if you have an internship every year, then you're good. Um, although six months continuous with another part time. So you're pretty much like year round working um, is that's again, that's a, that's a year experience. When you come out, your resume is going to say master's, bachelor's, four years or three years or how many other years of experience. That is what every single place looks for. And I don't know why other universities are not copying and pasting what Drexel's been doing. It's unbelievable to me. I mean, the co-op is why everybody goes to Drexel. That's that's the, that's the reason. Um, that's why I went to Drexel. And Drexel has been doing it for a hundred years there. I know there are a couple other colleges that, that do similar things. Um, but Drexel's baked in the co-op to all of their majors. You have to do at least one. Um, but the regular program is three. So, yeah, I mean, and then the, one of the things that I really like about the co-op is that it allows you to experiment with things that you don't want to necessarily do. And, that's exactly what happened for me, where I knew that I didn't want to do governance. I knew that I didn't want to do internal audit. Um, I wanted to do penetration testing, although I didn't really know what that was at the time. Um, but I saw internal audit and uh, I didn't expect to take it. I kind of got talked into it by the interviewer because he was amazing. Um, and he told me that they got to touch on all these different things and how the team was actually practitioners and, I thought, well, this seems like an amazing company and I'll get to touch on a lot of different things. And that's what I want. I want to see the different sides of security. And I was able to do that. And then at the end of it, I was able to walk away from it. And I could have walked away at the first six months because that's I've, I'm only scheduled for six months and then I go back to class. 
So how, when else can you ever get that experience to just say, I'm going to do this for six months and then it's not going to look bad because this was my, this is my co-op. Like I, I could go to three different places that I don't want to work at, get six months of experience, leave, and then have my resume not look bad because of it. Yeah. No, it's fantastic. It's, I don't understand why more, more universities are not doing exactly this. It makes absolutely no sense to me that others don't do it. I mean, last week I was on a call. We were on um, the CISO. We had, uh, I had Naomi Buckwalter and James Azar. And we were, they're both CISOs. And mm-hmm. we were talking about what CISOs look for in talent and the experience and, you know, being able to, to try out different things. And exactly, you know, what you pointed out. Well, one, it, it doesn't look as bad nowadays that people have, you know, moved around in different to different job opportunities, especially when you're earlier in your career. Like we want people, you know, we want you to touch different things and experiment and things like that. Um, and a lot of times people have contracts. So six mm-hmm. months, six months there. But for, for this to be baked in, and for this to be a part of the curriculum, like you have to do it to graduate. Whereas in a lot of schools, you can get an internship, but it's not a necessity. Um, it's just so invaluable because someone like you and someone like, the, you know, that you were telling me the prior students before you, almost everybody gets an opportunity. Like if Vanguard has an open position and you want to come back and this is, oh, of course they're going to. You know, of course, they're going to hire you first. Of course, they're going to, you know, go back to the people who they already know. And so it just makes perfect sense for this. And that on the job training is so key. That experience is so key. You want to be able to kind of jump in and do these things. Another point that we made that we talked about was um, I said this. We were talking about interviewing just as a whole and that interviewing is so um, outdated. Right. So somebody asks you some questions, you answer. And it's about, again, who's who's better at answering the questions, who's better at taking the test. And my comment was, you know, people are not professional interviewers. And if they are, that's a question mark, especially more later on in their careers, you know. So someone like you, Matt, you're jumping into new jobs. You're you're, you know, earlier in your career, you're younger. That's different. Somebody that's just like they say the right answer at every interview and they've kind of been around and you see and then you see like you sketch you this the the hops and jumps on the resume, then you're like, wow, this person really is an interviewer. <laughs> like yeah. they're not doing. Because a lot of people don't interview well, but they know they they've been doing these things inside and out. Yeah. Um, so I kind of talked about having some, um, and at the time I know my, my buddy Nandy, there were a couple people chiming in on that, um, on that live stream, but I talked about having, uh, almost, almost like a mini co-op, like co-op for a day. Like I thought that would be cool or half a day where you come in and the interview is, okay, you want to be a pen tester? This is the job. Here's your laptop. What would you do? Here's our case study. Here's our, you know, go for it. And this is a half a day in the life of or four hours in the life of what a pen tester is doing and see if they could actually either do it or the thought process that goes through their mind. Like they might not necessarily know, Matt, you may not have done it before, but let me think about how you would think about getting this done. You know, what are you Googling? What are you, how are you, you know, what questions are you asking me? A real life mini experience. So what Drexel is providing for you is just that, just in long term. So you're getting real, real experience. 
which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, even more than that, we also have um, an entire center devoted to co-op um, and there are career, um, there are professional career advisors and everything like that. So number one, we take classes on interviewing and number two, um, Drexel students go on like 15 interviews sometimes every six months. So um, we, a lot of us come out of it just being a lot better at interviewing because instead of going to our first interviews after college for three, like three interviews or something like that, we've already done in some cases, 30 plus interviews over the course of our, uh, over the course of our studies. Um, And the interesting thing is I actually, I have seen interviews that are kind of like that, um, that are a lot more practical. Um, I had, uh, I asked my coworkers to do uh, at Vanguard to do a mock interview for, with me for an actual security position, because in a lot of cases for your first co-op, you can't really be asked those technical questions. So a lot of it is more behavioral, emotional, um, you know, how are you going to respond to this? What are your qualities versus, Hey, what have you touched on in class or not necessarily, not, not that that would be a technical interview, but, um, uh, versus like actually those technical questions. And I got a lot of interesting, uh, interviews. And one of them from a pen tester was, um, I have a website. It does this. I want you to tell me the controls that are there. And I had to, he gave me like five minutes to write everything out on the whiteboard. And and he said, okay, now I want you to tell me how you test it. And I had to go through and say like, okay, well, I test for this. And he rolled a, a die to tell me if that attack was successful or it wasn't. And I had to go through and, and say like, okay, well, if that didn't work, then I have to go over here and try this. And right. if that didn't work, um, or like maybe it partially worked and I have to figure out how to you know, pigeonhole this into something else or, you know, um, so that was really interesting. And I thought that interview was probably, uh, the most unique and best interview, um, from my perspective that, that there could have been, because you can really see not only the technical knowledge, but also the, the mindset. And from your perspective, you know, from, from the, and I, I think, I think that's fantastic as well. From a leader's perspective, you're seeing how this person is thinking on their feet, like, you know, What's the thought process? It doesn't necessarily have to be correct. It's just what is the thought process, right? And then from an interviewer's perspective, you're starting to get a feel for what it's like to do the job. And that's kind of what we talked about the other day. We're like, you know, sometimes you get all these questions and then it doesn't have anything to do with the job. <laughs> it doesn't have anything right. to do with the work. So at least in this case, you're understanding as, you know, you're understanding from an interviewer's perspective, like, oh, wow, this is a, this is either, oh, no, I hate this. I don't want to do something like this. Or, oh, wow, this is exciting. I want to do more of this. Yeah. So that is so awesome, Matt. So I want to, you know, we're at the 34-minute mark, and you have been wonderful about, you know, sharing your expertise, sharing your experiences, talking about Drexel and what an amazing program uh, Drexel has. I cannot wait. Hopefully I get an opportunity to talk to some of the professors over there because I'm fascinated by this. I think every university should be doing this. I don't understand why 
you know, others are not. And Drexel has it perfected because you've been doing it. They've been doing it for a hundred years. Um, so Matt, thank you again for being a gracious, be such a wise soul at the old age of 20 something, however old you are. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, sharing your expertise with all of these folks, because I can imagine that some either high school students that watch this, some parents, or um, even people currently in college will look to, you know, potentially reach out to hear to hear your experiences and, and learn more. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank uh, you. And having me again. <laughs> Second time's a charm. <laughs> All right, folks, breaking into cybersecurity. Actually, we got a double header today because Matt had to come back. And then in a couple hours, we'll get to see, we'll get to meet with um, Jessica Tubbs. So talk to you soon, everybody. Bye. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.